I felt the Lord like just preach through Second Peter. I'm like, all right, there's only three chapters. Peter wrote this when he was in prison in Rome. Uh, most, uh, you know, historical tradition uh, scholars believe that he was in prison in Rome and he was executed by Nero, just like the Apostle Paul, which is interesting. But he most likely wrote this from the prison in Rome. And uh, he covers a couple different topics in it. It's a short book. You can read it in half an hour in one sitting. And I can't wait to just talk about, I'm excited about just preaching the word of God. Um, because the word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I think if we spent more time just reading, studying, preaching the explicit word of God, our hearts would be judged. We would let it judge our own hearts. And if we would agree with God's judgment and, and live in that, the judgment from the word, we would experience a lot less of God's discipline judgment when we don't live according to the word. Does that make sense? I don't know about you, but very, very often when I read the word, I'm not just encouraged. I'm extremely convicted and sobered when I read it. And I go, oh, my goodness. Wow. Course correction for me. Or in leadership, you experience things. Or in the world, you see things going on. And you start to feel certain ways in your humanity, in your, in your mind. And then you read the word, and it's like God's perspective. God's perspective. And it's sobering. It's sobering. And, man, we need that sobering. Scripture says be sober-minded. We need that every morning, right? Because we can get intoxicated on the world and on the world the world's worldview and on worldviews of the world and on the culture's perspective and the culture's mindsets. Man, if you're not careful, oh, I don't, okay, I'm going to preach my sermon for next week. If I'm not careful, stop. Let's dive into chapter one. How about that? Oh, man. Let's just dive into chapter one. So what if I told you this morning there was a way of living this life in this life that if you were to do it, plain instructions, if you were to live this way, you would never stumble in life, meaning you would never have a major failure of any kind. Not saying you wouldn't make a little mistake here and there, but you would never have a major failure, never stumble, and you would be assured that you're going to heaven. Now think about what I just said. What if there was a way of living that if you were to do it, plain instructions, do this, you would never make a major mistake, you would never stumble, and you would know that you're going to heaven. How many of you this morning would say, please tell me what that way is, I will do it. How many would say that? Wow, we have, okay, all right, all right, okay. I thought a whole lot of you were like, you don't really care about going to heaven? Okay, good. Everybody wants to go to heaven, everybody wants to not fail. How many of you are like, yeah, I don't, one of my major priorities in life is not failing. Praise God, all right? Thank God for his grace when we do fail, but man, I don't want to fail. All right. Well, 2 Peter 1, chapter 1, kind of in the middle of the chapter, he says this, verses, I have 10 and 11, but I think, I guess maybe it is 10 and 11, it might just be one of those. For if, he says this, for if you do these things, if you do these things I've been saying in the first part of the chapter, you will never stumble. The Greek word there means to fall, and it, he's saying you'll never fall away from Christ, but it, can, it also just means trip. Like you trip, but you don't fall. Stumble. That means major moral failure. That means major mistake, meaning like, um, you know, you're living your life, not just moral failure, like, oh, I got drunk, crap, I shouldn't have done that, you know, or, oh, I slept with someone, oh, I shouldn't have done that. No, that's, those are major moral failures, right? He's saying even stumbling could be like, well, God wanted you to do this with your life, and you were kind of not really focused on God, and you, you missed it, right? And, and you, or this was your calling over here, and you were kind of living it, but you got discouraged, and you, you got confused because you really weren't listening to God, and then you you stumbled and you gave up on your calling or whatever the thing is. You made a major mistake when it comes to wisdom. He's saying all those things. That's what stumble means. You won't make any major mistakes 
any major moral failures. And he says, if you do these things, you'll never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you do what I'm saying, he says, you'll never even stumble in this life and you will go to heaven. Wow. That makes me go, what did he just say? So who wants to know what he just said? All right. I'm so glad you guys know what I sounded like when I was in junior high. What did he just say? All right. <laughs> so, 2 Peter 1, diving in verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of, our, of Jesus our Lord. His divine power, man, he just dives right in. I love this. His divine power has given us everything we need. His divine power, Holy Spirit power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So he's saying we, we have everything we need and we get everything we need for a godly life, life way God intends it, through our knowledge of Jesus. In him, another scripture says, are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So everything we need, all the wisdom for life, to make sure we don't stumble and to make sure that we live in a way that we know we'll go to heaven, is found through our knowledge of Jesus. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you know everything about Jesus and God, like right now? No, you don't. Neither do I. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 13, for now, in this life, we know in part, we prophesy in part. Then we shall know fully, even as we are fully known. So we don't fully know everything about Jesus. We don't fully know everything that we need to know. And which means, if we want to have everything we need, we need to continue learning and about Jesus and growing in our knowledge of Christ. In fact, that's what he says at the end of this book, 2 Peter 3.18. He's kind of wrapping it up. And he says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. He says, you need to keep, keep on growing in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus. If everything we need comes from our knowledge of God, and if we only know in part, and if therefore we need to keep, continue growing in our knowledge of God so we'll have everything we need, then that means this. If we stop growing in our knowledge of God, we can rightly assume we will eventually not have everything that we need. Or at the very least, we'll get stuck, stagnate, and wonder why God seems so distant or life seems so hard. Speaking of, you ever pray for God to like move in your life? Life gets real hard. You're like, God, move. I need you to move in my life. Anybody? Anybody. See, some of your all's problem, you don't pray enough for God to move in your life. If you don't participate, you get picked on, all right? We ask God to move all the time, but what if, what if God is not the one who's stuck? What if we're the ones who's stuck? What if our problem is not, <laughs> what if our problem is not God doesn't know enough about my situation? God doesn't know enough about my problems. What if our problems is our problem does not know enough about Jesus? And our problem does not know enough about our Jesus because we don't know enough about our Jesus because we haven't continued to grow in the knowledge of Jesus. <sighs> Growing in Christ, he, Peter, Peter, this is at the end of his life, from a prison about to be executed. Keep on growing in your knowledge of Jesus. 
I'm telling you, final instructions, keep on growing in it. Growing in Christ is what keeps you fresh and fruitful. You want to be stagnant? You want to fester? You want to get moldy? You want to get, man, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I guess moldy. There's another word I'm looking for. Synonyms? Stale? Stank? Did somebody say stank? Dank? Dank. That's the word. I was not the word I'm thinking of. You want to get dank? <laughs> Stop growing in Jesus. You want to smell dank? <laughs> you want to smell like death? You want to smell spiritually like you haven't been putting your deodorant on? Stop growing in Jesus. You want to smell fresh? You want to stay fresh with God? You want to stay fruitful? I was just keep growing in your knowledge of Christ. I was just telling somebody, there are certain men of God who are like older. They're older in the faith, but they're just, they're just older, right? Now, some of you are looking at me like, what do you mean by that? I'm 38 years old, all right? So I'll say, I'll say, guys, for me, when I say older, I don't mean you're old. I mean you're older than me, okay? Can, can the people older than me just chill out for a second, okay? I have some mentors of mine who are older in the faith. I mean, they, I see them get up to preach. I see them minister to people. And man, yeah, their face looks a little older, right? Their hair's a little grayer. Their body looks a little older. But man, they're fresh. They're fresh with God. They're not old and, and crusty and, 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 and bitter about life and can't wait to die like a lot of older people. They're, they're like, I'm like, man, I'm looking at your body and your face, and, and you're in your latter years, but oh my goodness, you're as fresh as a daisy with, the, with Jesus. And that's how I want to be. I want to be in my 90s if I live that long. I want to be fresh. I want to have a fresh word from God. I want to be encouraging people. I want to still be doing ministry. You know, maybe it's not this one, because my voice will probably have, has, have went back down the hill, and it probably sounded like this by that time again. But <laughs> I want to be fresh. I want to be doing ministry. I want to be encouraging people and have a fresh word of God. How do you do that? Keep on growing in Christ. Because if you don't, you learn things, and then you minister to people, and they are like, they need to learn what you know, and 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 you're talking with them, and and they start talking about these revelations they're having. You're like, yeah, I know that already. God taught me that 10 years ago. I'm bored. I don't care. It feels stale. you got to keep growing in Christ. And if you will keep seeking him, he will keep giving you fresh revelation. He'll keep taking you deeper and deeper into him. And you'll stay fresh. Growing in Christ is what keeps you fresh and fruitful in Christ. So Peter says, his divine power has given us everything we need. For God of life through our knowledge of him. So, verse 4, he's building something here. Through these, through what? His divine power and knowledge of Jesus. So the Holy Spirit and the word of God, spirit and truth. Through these, divine power and knowledge of Jesus. He's given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. God's goal of you Knowing about Jesus is not just to know facts about Jesus, that he used to live on the earth, that he was crucified by the Romans. The Christians say he rose from the dead. These are the facts. God's desire for his people, Christians, is not just that they know the facts. It's that you know the facts so that you can place your faith in him. He's your Lord, so you get his spirit in you, and then you get to participate in the divine nature. That's the goal. Right there. Some of you all are not participating in the divine nature or not very often. And that's why you're bored with Christianity. That's why you're bored with church. That's why you're bored with Jesus. So you don't seek him very much. You think you know it all. Yeah, he died on a cross. What else? Through these, so that you may participate in the divine nature. 
having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. God wants you to participate in his divine nature. Verse 5, for this very reason, see, see what he's doing here? He's building something. For this very reason, because you can participate in the divine nature and escape the corrupt, corruption of the world, because that's possible, he's saying, then do this. And this is the title of my message today. And this is what I want to hopefully drill home in about 20 more minutes. Make every effort. Because you can participate in the divine nature, escape the corruption of the world. Here's what you need to do, church. You need to make every effort. You need to make every effort. If you're reading a hard copy Bible, underline that phrase. Make every effort. If you have your phone Bible, highlight that phrase. Make every effort to do this, to add to your faith goodness, to goodness, knowledge. There it is again, growing in the knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. So he's talking about integrity qualities, character qualities, but also knowledge. Keep adding to these things. Keep growing in these things. For, verse 8, here's another promise. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, if you keep growing, you're supposed to always keep growing in Christ and look more and more like Jesus. You may not be where you, know, you want to be in life or as a person, but man, I hope you're not where you were a year ago or five years ago in your character, right? Maybe you feel like you're not that patient. Are you more patient than you were two years ago or five years ago? Hopefully, if you're growing in Christ, apparently that's possible. And it is possible. That's what we need to be doing. That's what he's saying. Make every effort, though. Make every effort to do these things. I'm going to preach my voice out today. Oh, my goodness. Good thing you came to first service. There may not be a second service. I'll be like, hey, go home and read Second Peter chapter 1 <laughs> and pray about it. <laughs> I should do that every week. I'll just, okay, anyways. Oh, thanks, dude. Look at this. He saw me like. Okay. Thank you. Oh, where were we? Make every effort. Yep. So if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in what? Your knowledge of Jesus. Your knowledge of Jesus. Mm. That's a whole other sermon. It's what I said before. Growing in Christ keeps you fresh and fruitful. Possess these in increasing measure. Keep pursuing. Keep growing. You'll stay fresh and fruitful. It'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. But whoever does not have them, verse 9, is nearsighted and blind. I put the cap back on. Forgetting <laughs> That they've been cleansed from their past sins. Verse 10. Mm, I got a note here that I was going to skip over, but it's really good. Notice he says, make every effort to add to these qualities. So apparently there are things you can do in your life that will help you add to these qualities. Which also means there are things you can do to distract or detract from these qualities. Notice how much of this is what you can do. So often we sit around and pray and say, God, move in my life. But we have no plans on changing our own lives to be surrendered to his will. And we just keep living how we're living. And we try to pray more and we wonder why it doesn't work. God's like, you don't need to pray about half the stuff in your life. You need to surrender it to my will and live my word. And you wouldn't even have to be praying about that. And so, notice how much personal responsibility Peter's putting on us as Christians. Therefore, in light of all of this, verse 10, brothers and sisters, he says it again. Second time he says this phrase. Make every effort to confirm 
your calling and election. Getting into some deep theology now. For if you do these things, here's the verse we talked about at the beginning. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Eternal election, eternal judgment, eternal, eternal election. Who is chosen of God? Are you chosen of God? Calvinists would say, if you are, then you're going to heaven. And if you're not saved yet, eventually you will be. God's going to choose you and you, have, you can't resist it. And if you're not, then sorry about your luck. There's really nothing you could do. And you're not the chosen. Right? Who's chosen of God? Who is the elect? Jesus chose everyone on the cross. For God so loved the world, meaning everyone. How does he elect people? According to his foreknowledge? Jesus knows in advance. He says, I'm choosing everybody, but he's given us a free will. And he knows in advance who will choose him back. So if he knows you grew up in a super broken home, and they don't tell you about Jesus, and they abuse you and make it really hard for you to believe in God because you grew up in broken homes. Like, if God was real, how could he let this happen to me? There's a whole lot of demonic strongholds. It's, mm. And so uh, say, Jesus, you grew up in that, and he knows, man, if they grew up in a home that was preached about me, they would have chosen me. They would have chosen me. So maybe in his sovereignty, he makes some, some things happen. Maybe he shows up in your bedroom and says, hey, I'm Jesus. I want you to believe in me. And he sovereignly chooses you according to his foreknowledge. According to his foreknowledge, he knows who will choose him back. And so maybe he gives him a little extra help, right? Jesus said, nobody can come to the Father but through me. But he said also later on that nobody can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. I think the Spirit of God is trying to draw all people to Jesus. And some people don't want to be drawn. And they choose to not accept Christ. And Scripture even says there's some people who choose Christ at one point in their life. And then later on, they do fall away. And they choose to walk away. God will never take his salvation from you. Assurance of faith. Assurance, I'm sorry, assurance of salvation. But you can always choose to walk away. Go read, man, a whole other sermon. Go read all the warnings in the New Testament of be careful that you don't stumble and fall. Be careful about this. Be careful about that. And it's all about falling away. And it means falling away to the point where you're, you don't go to heaven. There's a lot of scriptures like that in the New Testament. And so he says, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Man, I don't have a whole lot of time to explain all this, but um, yes, when you accept Christ, you're saved. Praise God. You're on your way to heaven, right? That's awesome. Here's what I, my personal experience has been. You still don't know, like you believe, but then you start going through hard times, hard things. The devil starts whispering in your ear, not as a guy in a red jumpsuit with a pitchfork, so you're not sure it's the devil. Isn't it cool? It, it's not cool. Isn't it interesting how he not only masquerades as an angel of light, he can really masquerade as your, he knows how to mimic your voice. You ever watch Jimmy Fallon do impressions? And he nails, like, movie stars and stuff? You're like, how does that guy sound just like Jim Carrey or whoever the thing is? Well, the devil does that to you, and he gets in your mind and in your ear, and he makes it sound like you. And then he goes, oh, I'm a piece of crap. Nobody likes me. I should just end it. Mm-mm-mm. Is that what God thinks of you? I don't even care if it's not the devil, even if it's you. That would be you not agreeing with God. What does God think about you? He loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. Even if you were an unwanted child, even if unintended pregnancy. Oh, my goodness. God was like, I'll use this. I'm going to create this one. There is such a thing as illegitimate parents. There's no such a thing as an illegitimate child. Because God still knit them together, didn't he? God loves you. Time to start agreeing with God. Anyways. 
For if you do these things, you'll never stumble and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of Jesus. If you do what things? Make every effort, make every effort, make every effort. Look at your neighbor and tell, make every effort. Make every effort. How many efforts? Every. Make every effort. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your will, all your being, all your strength. Love him with it all. To grow in your knowledge of Jesus, add to your faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love, and making every effort to confirm your calling and election. If you do those things, you'll never stumble and you go to heaven. So how do, how do we do that? How do we confirm our, how do we do this? How do we make every effort to do this? Listen, I got maybe eight minutes. No, I got a little more time than that. Um, I got 10 to 15 minutes left. I don't have time to talk about how you and me can make every single effort to do all that. I mean, we'd be here for days, and my voice ain't going to hold out. I don't have time. I don't know how you, personally, it could be different for all of us, depending on who we are and what God's calling us to. I don't know how you could make every effort. But I do know how you could make the least amount of effort. The least you could do is, I don't know, read scripture daily and pray daily. That's like the least amount of effort you could do. Um, man, I'll just tell you, more than the verse of the day. More than that cool pastor or female Christian influencer that posts not even scripture, but a quote that's inspiring. And they're Christian, so you follow them, and that's like your devotion for the morning. <sighs> Going to have to get a whole lot deeper than that. The warfare coming against you and your destiny is so strong that the verse of the day, the quote of the day from your favorite influencer isn't going to cut it. You will not survive. You need to start making an effort. You can't make every effort if you're not making an effort. I mean, you got to grow beyond that stuff. And here's another thing, just real quick, about influencers and verse of the day stuff, on especially social media. Part of their strategy is to get more followers. You need to think about that. Why do I say that? Because go look at their content. It's all the positive, affirming, you're great, love yourself stuff. And listen, we all need encouraged. Some of us, that's what we need that particular day. But for some reason, they don't want to post about things that will convict you. How often does your favorite influencer post, flee from sexual immorality? And then unpack that. When in reality, that's what would help 90% of people in this room more than God loves you and Jeremiah 29, 11. He knows the plans he has for your life. Yeah, they're his plans, but you won't fulfill them if you're sleeping around because those are not his plans. I think we need a whole lot more conviction and sobering. And I'm just telling you, and Mike's, I follow a lot of people online because I, I appreciate their ministries, and I hardly ever see the conviction stuff, which is really what we need the most probably because we need to stay in alignment with him. So the least you could do, I don't know how you can make every effort, but the least you could do is read scripture daily. And if you read large chunks, like read a chapter at a time, you're going to get, you'll get encouraged but you're going to get the hard stuff, which you need. It's medicine. You'll get that soul surgery, dividing joints and marrow, cutting out, circumcising that heart. Because that's worldly. You need that cut out today. That two-edged sword will do that. So that's the least you could do. The least you could do also is, I don't know, go to church weekly. Weekly. Not every day, but every week. 
statistically, most Christians now, 50 years ago, most Christians went to church once a week or more. Statistically, now most Christians go to church like two to three times a month, twice a month. It's given two Sundays a month. Why? Kids sports, vacation trips, sleeping in. I don't know. I don't know. But that's just what's happening. And that's the exact opposite of what God tells us to do in his word. Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. All the more as you see the day, capital D, judgment day, Jesus coming back. Now, I know it's been 2,000 years and scoffers will come and say, where is he at? Peter wrote about that too. I think in chapter 3, which we'll, Lord willing, get to in a few weeks. But that means we're closer than we've ever been to the day. And with every day that passes, we're closer than ever we've ever been to the day. So according to scripture, with every day that passes, we need to have a greater desire to want to meet together. Mm. For encouragement, spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. He says, encouraging one another, encouraging one another. Hebrews 3.13, he says, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encourage one another daily. Now, you have to understand, this is a culture that there was no text messaging, phone calls, emails. If you're going to encourage someone in this day and age daily, what does that mean? you got to be with them. you got to be present. And maybe they're not at the corporate church gathering, but they go to each other's house or they see the Christian at work, and they're like, hey, let me encourage you today. They talk about faith. They talk about God. They're not ashamed of those things. And man, our culture, social media affords us, Amazon, our, our rich affluence. I know inflation's going on, and I know everybody's complaining, but we're so rich in this country. And our, our affluence affords us the ability to be completely disconnected with other people. That is not God's design. I believe that's one of the major contributing factors to the catastrophic rise in depression, anxiety, loneliness. I've read many articles. Depression, loneliness is the new epidemic. Any of you ever get in a, like a little squabble with your spouse and you're like frustrated, you're upset, and you know you got to go to church or to a friend's house and nothing in you wants to go because you're a little upset. But you walk in, and you're like, we'll deal with it later. How are you guys doing? And you just hang out, enjoy some fellowship. Anybody ever have this happen? And then when you're leaving, you look at your spouse, and you're like, what were you even fighting about? I don't know. I love you. It's just over. You don't even care anymore. Studies are showing that when you hang out with other people and positive interactions, just normal friendship stuff. It doesn't even have to be church. It's just normal friendship stuff. Chemicals are released in your brain, make you feel good, make you happy. Isn't that interesting? That God says, yeah, I know that, and they don't know the science yet, so I'm not going to worry about unpacking all that. You imagine how big the Bible would be if he unpacked all that? No, I'm just going to tell you, just meet together. Get together daily. Encourage one another daily. So now we have all these tools where we can text people. We don't even have to go over to their house. Again, you need to get in person with people, but... You can send an encouraging text, right? I don't know how you could make every effort, but I think this is the least we could do. And then Peter says this, so I will always remind you of these things. These are the fundamentals, what he's described, fundamentals. I'll always remind you of them. Even though you know them, Some of y'all today are like, yeah, I know, I know. And are firmly established in truth, in the truth you now have. He's saying, I know you know all this, and many people in this room, you are firmly established 
You're firmly established in God. Praise God for that. Why am I reminding you of all this stuff? Because Peter said, I'm going to keep on reminding you, even if you're firmly established, to make every effort to keep growing in your knowledge of Christ. Why? Because Peter knew, doesn't matter how firm you are, the strongest Christians, if they're not continuing to pursue Jesus, will drift, stumble, stray, and if you keep keep on doing that, you could fall. If you don't make an effort to stay devoted to Christ, you'll drift. And if you drift too far, that's when the stumbling happens. Another scripture says, people who don't know God stumble around in the dark, as if in the dark. God is the light. In him is no darkness at all. The unfolding of his words gives light. So when you keep on growing in Christ daily, just seeking him for your daily life, you're getting light for your path. What's Proverbs 3, 4 and 5? What's that one say? Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, seek him. And he will direct your path. Don't just live according to your wisdom. Seek God for his wisdom for life. And he'll show you what to do. And if if you do that every day, you won't st- if you do that on the daily, you won't stumble, you won't stumble that day. So that means the only day you might stumble is the day you don't do that. So if you do that every day, you'll never stumble. And you know that you go to heaven because you've been living how God's called you. You've been living in Christ your whole life. Wow, that's, that's pretty interesting. Even the strongest Christians can stumble and even fall. There's a whole bunch of New Testament scriptures that talk about that. I'll just throw you one as we're wrapping up. He says, so, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13. So, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will always, sorry, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I had some names written down in my notes, and I I won't say that, but I'll just say this. How often do you hear about mighty men of God in ministry who fall? Or it comes out they've had a major moral failure. Maybe they didn't fall away from Christ, let's hope, but they stumbled. They tripped. (laughs) They got tripped up. Now they have to resign. How often do you hear that? These are guys who study and teach the Bible for a living. I am not unaware that I'm one of those guys, right? And even us guys who study the Bible every week to be able to teach the Bible, man, there's a way of doing that where you can do it to teach, but you're not doing it for you. You got to be careful. Every day, seek Christ for yourself, no matter who you are. And he says, God's faithful. Every, this is what he's saying. Every time you're tempted, God's not the one tempting you. But here's what God's doing. He's your getaway driver. The devil's robbing a bank. And you're kind of walking with him, and he's like, hey, let's rob this bank. And you'll get some money. You'll get some good stuff out of it. You can kind of do what you want. You want to sleep with that person. You're really robbing their purity. But, hey, you'll get something out of it, won't you? Mm, let's do that. Hey, let's cheat on the taxes and rob what you owe the government according to the law. But, hey, you'll get some out. So the devil's always tempting. Hey, let's rob this bank. And you've got a choice. You know who God is? He's in the car, and he's your getaway driver. And he pulls up, and he throws the door open. He's like, uh-uh, let's go. There's always a way out. Look at your neighbor and tell him there's always a way out. And God, whenever you're being tempted, thank you. God, the spirit, I I hope the spirit's moving, but it is almost time in. So, (laughs) oh man, God, your getaway driver. There's always a way out. The devil's always tempting, but you're not alone. Seek him. There's a way out. Take it. Take God's way. There's always a way that you can stand up under it. You can endure it. 
I'll just say this in closing. You're not a victim of the devil. Too many Christians living as victims. If you sin, own it. Then make every effort to repent. Make every effort to make it right with others. And make every effort to never do it again. It's not that difficult. I, I tell my wife. Excuse me. Tell my wife. <clears throat> God's like, <clears throat> just get to the end. All right. <laughs> Excuse me. Gosh. Verse 13. I think it is right. This is him kind of closing this up. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus has made clear to me. And listen what he says in verse 15. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. How important did Paul think this was? Keep on growing in Jesus. Make every effort to grow in Christ. How important did he think that is? He's saying, I'm about to die, and I know it, and that's why I'm making every effort. I could be, I'm sitting in this jail cell knowing my execution day is coming, and I could be crying. I could be trying to have people visit me and think, you know, thinking about me, and he's in there thinking about the church, the people of God. How can I make sure? He's, you know why? He's like, oh, they can kill me. They can cut my head off. They can crucify me upside down what can the world do to me who could be against me they're just gonna send me to be with Jesus man if they didn't crucify me up I bet Peter's like man if they don't crucify me upside down and kill me I might have to live another 20 years in this body I'm so ready bless me send me to be with Jesus but man I'm concerned about the people who are still here who are afraid of dying. And the reason they're afraid of dying is they're not making every effort to confirm their calling and election. They're not making every effort to know Jesus because if they really knew him, they wouldn't even be afraid of death. And so many people live afraid of death trying to hold on to the world, hold on to the things of this life and materialism and lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life because they're not growing. You grow in your knowledge of him, you're just like, I surrender it all. It's nothing to me. I just want you. And then you don't fear death at all. And the devil, even when he brings horrible things against you, he could take your life. He can't take your soul. He can't take Jesus from you. Praise God. So I want to close with this. Some of you today need to start making an effort. You're a Christian. You're defeated all the time. You're depressed, full of anxiety. You're lonely, fearful. I could go down the whole list. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Start making an effort. Now, if you're making an effort, you're trying everything to get out of that hole, that's awesome. Praise God. We need the grace of God. But a whole, I know a whole lot of people who get in a hole of anxiety, depression, and all this stuff. And the truth is, they don't, they're not making any effort. They're not seeking God at all. And they keep binging on Netflix and stuff in their face with junk food to try to feel better. It's not going to work. In fact, it'll probably exacerbate the issue. Isn't it interesting about addiction, food addiction, alcohol addiction, any kind of addiction? You always keep needing more. So the more you do it, it's not going to get better. It's time to trust Jesus. Make an effort. Make every effort. Fasting is a great way to starve those things. Whatever you struggle with, fast it. I'm not going to do it for 21 days. Trick yourself. I know, devil, we'll get back to it, but for 21 days, I won't do it. And then when you hit 21 days, just keep going. Give it up. Trick the devil. He's always tricking you. 
don't know what I'm talking about now. Okay. Trigger the devil. <laughs> Some of you today need to start making an effort. Others of you have been making an effort, but you're struggling. And the battle's grown so intense in your life. Now God is saying, your past level of obedience will not sustain you. Now I'm calling you to a greater level. There's a greater battle. It will require greater surrender and greater obedience. And if that resonates with you today, it's time to start making every effort. I would say that really applies to all of us because you might be in a calm season or maybe you can do the minimum and get by. But every, for every person in here, a season is coming where it's going to require making every effort because the battle gets that intense sometimes. So I want to close today with a prayer time. And I really felt led to close with repentance. And I've I read a few. If you guys got the prayer music, maybe throw that on. Um, I re- I'm going to read a few areas, four or five areas of, I just felt like the Lord was giving me this, of things to repent of. Because not making an effort, and expecting God to do everything in our lives for us is not what scripture teaches and it's actually sinful. It's spiritual apathy, laziness, complacency, those types of things. Um, God calls us to live as a daily living sacrifice for him. And so I'm gonna read through a few areas and just, I want you to pray about, if you're participating, just maybe put your hands on your knees, just kind of, Pray about this with me. Some areas that maybe God might be calling you to repent. Repent is not a feeling word. It's an action word. It means to change your mind and to turn and start walking a different way. Now, you might feel conviction. You might feel sorry for it. That's good. That helps you want to repent, Scripture says. That's godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow makes you feel so down. What's the point? Oh, I'm too bad. What's the point? That's the devil. That's not conviction. And that leads to death because you never change, yada, yada. So I I hope there's conviction in this place for people who need to repent. By the way, I repent almost every day, so I'm not up here on a high horse. I I, I think it's safe to say I do repent every day for certain things. Um, So I'm going to read through these. And some of these resonate with me when I wrote them. I was like, oh, I need to repent a little more of that. So this is what he says. Or said to me, uh, if this resonates with you, just, just repent in your heart. Like, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Help me walk a different way. Just pray that prayer as we go through these. Uh, number one, complacency. That kind of looks like just going through the motions. My faith is, quote, unquote, good enough, settling for less than God's calling, God's will, God's heart, not being fully obedient in every area, compromising God's truth and word to make life or relationships easier. So you don't have to upset anyone that wouldn't agree with God's truth in your life. This is complacency. And I feel like the Lord's saying we need to repent of that today. Number two, uh, focusing on too much on things of the world, which is idolatry. Focusing too much on things of the world. Could be even be good things. But if they replace God in your life, then it becomes an idol and it's not a good thing. Things that rob you of your first love diminish your affections towards Jesus. Spiritual junk food of entertainment, social media, that fills your heart for the day. But man, it's not good for you. It steals your appetite for Jesus and his word and his spirit and his love. Things like that. Could be other things. Speaking idle words. I felt led. God said, don't explain that one. Just say it. Speaking idle words, Scripture talks about. And if that resonates with you, maybe research what Scripture says on that. Fourthly, lack of knowledge of God's Word. We actually need to repent of a lack of knowledge of God's Word. Those of us who have been Christians for at least a day. Lack of knowledge of God's Word. 
Hosea 4.6 says, my people die for lack of knowledge. And I'm just going to be honest with you, in this day and age, with all the free online resources, commentaries, podcasts, man, there's absolutely no excuse for not knowing God's word, except for your own lack of pursuit and filling your time with other things. And I sense the Lord's jealousy over us today as his bride. He's jealous for time with you as a husband is jealous for a date night with his wife. But some of us have been ignoring him and he's hurt. He's hurt for you and he's jealous for you. And he warns you of these things because he is the source of life, goodness and truth. And so when we ignore time with him, we don't just ignore time with a relationship, which is hurtful to that person and grieves that person. But it's also, we start to ignore goodness, life, and truth, which leads to death. So it's, he's very concerned about these things. And then the last one is sexual immorality. Um, and I wrote down, on a massive scale, God says. Massive scale. With all the pornography we're bombarded with every day on social media and TV and people in underwear and ads that pop up and you didn't even click on it. Man, if you even look lustfully, God says you've committed adultery in your heart. His word says flee from it. Repent means to turn. Turn and run. Stop scrolling. Stop watching. Stop sleeping with someone that's not your spouse. Stop. Flee. Run. Only God's design within a monogamous heterosexual marriage and man, make every effort, make every effort in this area. Hate, hate even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Do not be deceived. Those who persist in sexual morality will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Oh, Jesus. Oh, forgive us, Jesus. So rampant. So many churches don't even talk about it. So it's even persists in the church. And God's jealous for you. And many people destroy their lives through it. Keeps you in bondage. Keeps you from your calling. Oh, Jesus, forgive us. Make every effort, church, to flee from this sin. And so if any of those resonate with you, or maybe God brought something else, just repent. In your heart or even out loud, you can whisper right now, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm committed to live differently. Help me live in a way that pleases you. Amen.